the common denominator in all the co-writers was that I just wanted to feel safe and I didn't want to have an agenda. I didn't want to be trying to write for anyone else to understand it. I didn't want to have to make it universal. I didn't want to have to make it for the radio. And I, and I needed to be with people that were fully on board for that and weren't, you know, quietly annoyed that maybe we weren't going to ever hear this on the radio. Welcome to the Gary Scott Thomas Show. Here's what we know. The podcast with unexpected conversations. Listen each week as we engage in unscripted conversations where we'll be just as surprised as you will be with where the dialogue goes. So join us each week and be privy to the captivating conversations that are sure to ensue. Here's your host, Gary Scott Thomas. I'll start this episode off by telling you I've been having technical difficulties and I was so nervous that I was not going to get this done because this is one of those gets when you get someone who agree to come on your show. This is so exciting because when, when they said, Oh yeah, she'll do it. I was, wow, that's a big get. This is award winning singer, songwriter and producer with a brand new album out called Firstborn. She's got a million credentials that we'll get around to if we have enough time. This is Nicole Galgan. Nicole, how are you? I'm well. Good to talk to you. It's wonderful to talk to you. What a fun time in your life right now with Firstborn. It really is. It feels like a new a new chapter and a new era for me. Isn't that how you kind of write songs? I mean, that's what I, I was reading, that you kind of look at them as chapters, right? Yeah, that's how I did the record. I, you know, most artists write a bunch of songs and then they, the very last thing they do is go back and put them in sequence and make a track list for the record. But I did it opposite. I sat down and wrote uh, the title track, like all the titles for all of the, all the songs on the record before I wrote the songs. And I put them in order like a book. And then I went and wrote the songs. So I, I went about it more as a songwriter in that way. Well, and there's so many fun things when it comes to uh, to your songs. I, I'm a big lyric guy. So now you know why I'm such a fan of your work, because I'm, I'm all about the lyrics. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really always been about the words for me. Um, but, you know, it's funny what my entry point to, um, to the music business was, or to music in general, was that I grew up playing classical piano. And um, so I think... I thought of myself more as a piano player, which is leaning on the instrumental side of things for so many years. And it wasn't until I started working with more producers and then they were doing the heavy lifting on the music that I realized, wow, okay, the best thing I can bring to a room is an idea and words. And that's really when my career kind of started to work. It was about 10, 12 years ago when... I started to just let go of the music and, and lean in more to the story. You know, that's kind of wild. I, I, uh, especially when it comes to music, but am I reading this right? That you got there and go, wow, there's a lot of people who can play the piano and do music better than me. And are, is that, is that one of the things that, is that how you approach that? Or was that a reckoning or am I reading that wrong? Well, I've never been one that I didn't grow up performing I never have, and I, I have never really desired performing and I, it, it makes it, I don't know. I live singing isn't my strong suit. And so I just never really saw myself on a stage. Um, 
So that's why I never really considered myself an artist was because I wasn't much of a performer or an entertainer. And, um, but I think over the years I've learned that it's okay to just be a creator. And, um, and so I finally gave myself permission to make a record just because you're not someone that wants to go on tour, um, and play with a big live band. And that's, that's like your strong point doesn't mean that you can't go make a record that matters. Well, at, we've had you out here where we're located out in San Jose, and you're a wonderful performer. You've got an amazing voice. That's what your that's what this album shows off great. But yeah, to say you contributed, yeah, you've contributed a little bit to the music industry. Uh, I mean, uh, the Songwriter of the Year in BMI 2019. She's earned one of the rare triple play awards for having three number one songs in one year. As you've as you've grown in your career, you realize how tremendously rare that is, right? Oh yeah, it was. Um, you know, it it felt so monumental, and it felt so um, I don't know, humbling, and like I was just I'm still in awe that that happened. And then, it, and it was really beautiful timing because I, I won Writer of the Year at the end of 2019. And I, I think, you know, when you get to the top of a mountain like that, it feels really natural for me to stop and look around and just observe and like reflect. And so shortly after that, the world shut down and I really got a lot of time to look back and remember all the things that led to that, that pinnacle year. And I think it was part of that looking back process that really led to first form because I looked, I had a lot of downtime in my hometown to look back and I kept looking back all the way to the beginning and was like, what's the full story here? And, and I think that, you know, obviously I wouldn't have gotten here without all of that. So I, um, I think that winning writer of the year and triple play and a lot of those like big, you know, Key things in 2019 made me go, okay, well, there's nowhere to go up from here as a writer. Um, I want to, I want, I was curious to know what was next. And I think, and at that point, I had no idea that first foreign would be next. Well, I sit back and, and again, I, I do this for everybody. You should really take the time to look up Nicole Gallion because when it gives you her list of songs, anytime they release them in batches of 20, I'm not kidding, right? Most people, they get, you know, you can go look up somebody's song and they may have one, two, seven, eight. And if you're really big, you may have A, B, C, they're going alphabetical for the first time in my life. I was issued them in batches of 20. That's oh. remarkable, right? Did you, I mean, were you even aware about of that, of how many songs you're on a part of and created? No, honestly, because I think it's not really about the numbers for me. It's more about having, you know, the goal for me always is to find the next thing that has me, the next song that has meaning to it or the next, I can make that has meaning to it and and so I think it's more about for me it's a you know while I'm so thankful that I've had that many things go right I think where I'm at right now I'm more like how can I have more depth to what I'm doing it's not so much about quantity I'm I'm writing a little bit less um, than I have before and I'm doing a lot more new things and um, so for me I just really want the one Song, whatever that next one song is, it's just going to be so meaningful. Well, that's what you did on Firstborn. 
Uh, I, uh, you know, because you had the tracks and and everything out. I, I love Disneyland. I mean, if you need a life motto, mm-hmm. if you need a life motto, mm-hmm. you can go with "If my life looks like it's going well, it's because I fought like hell." <laughs> if you need a life motto, go with that, kids. I was never a fan of fantasy. I'm just, you know, it's 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 just going there. I I wanted when I, when I heard that song, and I'm like, I've just got to ask her how that created, you know, I've never been the girl that got to go to Disney world. My way of wishing was being ambitious. I never had the time to brush my hair and dream all night. My kind of happy ending was being self-sufficient. When was that created? (laughs) That was one of the last songs written for the record. And I think the further I got into the record, I got more and more specific topically with things that, you know, because we have big themes in our, you know, go-to themes as writers, right? Heartbreak, um, lifestyle, falling in love, family, some of those. And I had, I felt like I had, once I had hit a lot of the big, the big parts of my story toward the end of the record, it was fun to get to zoom in and go, what's the specific part of me that makes me unique, maybe from the next person about my story and my beliefs and values. And And that's where Disney World came from. Um, I'd had the title for a long time. I just thought, that's such an interesting title, and I didn't know what to do with it. But I knew I wanted to write a song about um, kind of my humble beginnings. Um, Growing up, I didn't write any songs about my hometown on this record because I've notoriously written so many hometown songs, and I felt like I get to do that with other people, but I wanted to write about things that I could only write about for me. And so I zoomed in even further than Humble Beginnings. And it was more about this, this song represents like, I think explaining to my kids, maybe why I am the way I am, you know, like my kids are growing up so much more privileged than I did in small town Kansas. And, you know, when I was a kid, if we were sitting in the checkout line and someone, and and I asked for something, you know, my mom would just say, Hey, you know, we can't afford that. Or we don't, we don't need to we don't need to spend our money on that. And now I'm in a different place with my kids where, you know, they just don't live that small town rural lifestyle and aren't as blue collar being raised. And so I want them to know when I tell them no to things that it's, it's because I love them and it's because that's part of life. And, and when you get out in the real world, the things that you really want are not going to come easy and they're not going to come just because you ask for them. And so that's where this song came from in my heart was kind of knowing like, you know, this cool life, this house we get to live in, all of these things. It's, you know, mom started back here and it wasn't as pretty along the way as it looks now. Um, and so that's really where Disney World came from. And I didn't go to Disney World as a kid, but Disney World also in the song is a bit of a metaphor of just not just Disney World, the place, but just any kind of fantasy fairy tale in your mind that maybe isn't grounded. So really, to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like the person created in that song, the person who you are, happened between the ages of like six and ten. Because that's when you were you were living that life where your parents and your mother said, hey, we don't have this extra. Maybe other people have the extra because I I one of the reasons I relate to it so much. I tell my my sons all the time, you live a life that I could not have envisioned. 
you, you live a mm-hmm. life that is nothing that would have been my reality that I didn't even know you could live a life like you live when I was your age. I didn't even think that was, that was possible. And, and I think that's the same thing. I think that, I think it created me somewhere even earlier. I think from three to seven, I kind of become this worldview that shares your Disney worldview. Yeah. Yeah. I think it happens really young. Um, but it, it, I think that it can, it kicks in for everyone at a different age because they're, you know, I think what scares me a little bit for my kids is that maybe their first case of reality might not be until they're out of my house. And so I'm, and so I'm trying to, I'm trying to give them little doses of that along the way as much as I can. Cause it's just, it's just a wild thing. You know, it, I, it, it makes me fantasize speaking of fantasies. It makes me fantasize all the time about just grabbing the kids and, and moving back to Kansas so that they can be more grounded and, um, and just, I don't know, maybe even me, I, maybe part of my wanting to do that is so that my kids can, see me and understand me too. Do you think, do you think you could do that and pull it off? Because I don't know if I could go back. I I grew up in a very small town in Alabama, right? I don't know if I could move back to that town simply because not that the town has changed so much, but I know I have. I actually could. And to be honest, that's part of the firstborn story. We, um, I always said, if I ever had a hit, I would, I was like, I want to use the money to, Write a or to buy a little house because you can buy a little house for real cheap in my hometown. I was like, I just want to buy a little house in my hometown that we can go to maybe in the summer. And um, and we ended up building one about five years ago. And then we would and our goal was just to take our kids there for one month in the summer. And then pandemic hit, and we ended up living there full time for a year and a half. And it was the, not only the best time of our lives, but this record was really conceptualized and executed because we were living there. I think I needed to get out of Nashville to see myself as just a person again and, you know, and get out of the matrix of the music business. Can I ask how you, how did you see yourself in Nashville? Cause I think that's a fascinating, <laughs> fascinating that you brought that up. Cause, cause you know, I, well, I've only seen you as this fantastically successful, amazingly talented artist I, I that's what i'm honestly in my time and dealing with you over the last yeah. number of years that's who you've always been to me and so when you brought that up i'm like wow i've never thought about how did you see yourself that that kansas gives that back to you well you know in nashville i see myself you know part of my identity is definitely you know a songwriter now can luckily say that I'm a successful songwriter and I'm an entrepreneur and a publisher and, um, and, and all of that. But those are all just roles. Those are all kind of costumes that we put on in the morning when we, when we walk out the front door and getting back to Kansas and just, you know, I'm, I'm a big runner. Like every morning I would go for, for a run and I would run past you know, the old house I grew up in and my high school and I was going to old high school football games, you know, in my hometown and my kids were going to my hometown grade school. And it just, all those sensory things made me remember that version of myself, um, which is just me as a human. And also 
reminded me who I was when I was 16 dreaming of coming to Nashville. So I think it's like, I see myself as the same person in both places. Maybe I just see it through a different lens and seeing my life now going back and looking at thinking about it from 17 me. um, I think that is part of how I got to the narrative for firstborn. Cause I was really going, wow, how did all this happen? You know, how did I get here? Um, and it didn't start day one at Nashville. It started day one of my life, and which is really easy to forget about when you when your schedule is so busy and you know and and you're just what's look you know you get so consumed with the micro details of the daily life that you have in the music business. Um, it's a bit of like you kind of on a treadmill a little bit, and it was like I jumped off the treadmill and long enough to go, oh, I know where this story started. This story started in Winter, South Dakota, 38 years ago. And I put it together that I, this, you know, I put it together that 2022 would be the 20-year anniversary of moving to Nashville. And 22 is my lucky number. I'm born on the 22nd. And I just, I just connected all those. I had enough quiet in Kansas to connect all those dots and look ahead and go, okay, I think I know the next most meaningful thing I can do. And that's to write my story. Is that why you kind of trusted Jimmy Robbins and Sasha Sloan and Josh Osborne and Shane McAnally? I mean, do they get your story? Is that what you were thinking or, or that you could just make them understand? Well, I think, yes, yeah, first of all, I'm lucky enough to not be, while I am, this is my debut record. I'm not a new artist in the sense that I have so much history, hours, days, weeks, years with, some of the, you know, these co-writers that do know my real life, you know, and our kids play together and we, you know, not only have we written a gazillion songs together, but we know each other on a really deep level. And so it was really pretty clear for me of like when I, once I had the concepts for the songs, who would be the right person to write them with. And some of that was based on knowing their stories as well. You know, like with Winter, I just knew enough about Josh and Shane to know that enough of their story would, they would be able to relate. Um, and, and on down the line with all the songs. Um, but the, the common denominator in all the co-writers was that I just wanted to feel safe and I didn't want to have an agenda. I didn't want to be trying to write for anyone else to understand it. I didn't want to have to make it universal. I didn't want to have to make it for the radio. And I and I needed to be with people that were fully on board for that and weren't, you know, quietly annoyed that maybe we weren't going to ever hear this on the radio. You know, because, you know, everybody's trying to pay their bills as a songwriter, too. And I was just blown away that everybody said, yeah, I'll take some time out of my normal writing schedule to write these niche ideas with you that, you know, are not going to cater to all the things that are blowing up and going viral on TikTok right now. Quietly annoyed. I love that. I love that phrase, quietly annoyed. <laughs> I hope you use that in a song sometime because it just paints the picture because we've all been there. We've all been quietly annoyed where you would love to say something, but you know it's not going to get you anywhere you need to be. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And and, and I, I can see knowing Shane and Josh I've met Jimmy a couple of times. I don't know Sasha, but, but being around them, I could see why this project was so 
interesting because it was so personal. You know, I, I was going to ask you the story on the, the uh, boy crazy video. True story about class president. Close. True story. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember senior year of high school sitting in the gym and I, you know, I threw my name in there. Everybody votes for class president. And um, I actually lost to like one of my best, he's probably the best guy friend I had growing up. He was, you know, um, still really good friends to this day and he's lovely. And, um, but I remember losing class president and my boyfriend at the time was like, you know, basically like, you know, maybe you should just chill out, like, you know, about everything. Like, don't go over so over the top about, <laughs> you know, you, about everything. Why do you want, basically what I remember feeling, especially at that time in my life, feeling a little crazy sometimes for wanting to move to Nashville, go to a school that not, no one in my hometown had ever heard of. Like, really, you're going to go be in the music business? Like, I wasn't even somebody that was getting on stage and singing. Like, who do you think you are? kind of um your family can't afford for you to go to Belmont like all of those little voices that were in my head and you know so when I lost class president it was also like yeah who do you think you are to think that you could have won that you know and you're not the smartest in the class you're not the whatever um and you're surely not a guy, you know? So, but the good news is I was class vice president and I'm so thankful that I wasn't president now because in a few weeks, um, going back for my 20 year class reunion actually. And I'm so busy right now. If I were president, I would have had to plan the whole thing. So, um, the irony is that, um, uh, it was a gift that I didn't win class president because who, you know, 20 years later, I'm really busy promoting it promoting my first record instead of, <laughs> I don't have time. <laughs> you know, I feel sorry for everybody else in your class because it's kind of going to be hard to live up to your career. I mean, you know, what have you been doing? Well, I'm managing the plumbing company. What are you doing? I'm just writing hit songs. Got my album out. Uh, <laughs> but that, but, but honestly, that's what I love the most about going back to my hometown is kind of in a good way. Nobody really cares. Um, about about that part it's not that they don't care it's that i think everybody there really just loves me for the me that i was when i grew up and when we lived there for a year and a half i um started playing rec league volleyball with my high school volleyball team again and doing a lot of like you know stuff i don't necessarily have time to do here and i went a year and a half and had was fully a part of the community in my hometown. And I bet I talked about, I bet someone asked me about the music business two times in like a year and a half. It was so not about that. And I just, I think that's my favorite thing. How long will it take you to, 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 you know, pull the trigger if you decide to go back to Sterling? I mean, is this something that could happen within <laughs> the next year or is this no. something you and your husband have to talk or oh, no, it's a way off. Cause your husband's in the music business too. And that's another story altogether. He is, and I think, I think, um, I think we both know we'll end up there. We just don't, it's going to be a chapter of the book. We just don't know how, like, you know, when that chapter is going to start. And it's not, it's not tomorrow. It's probably not anytime soon. But I think we just know big picture that that's 
maybe where we want to land, you know, on the other side of, of these careers. I, I that'd be great. And I, I hope you still get very niche using your words, uh, because <laughs> writing, I, I was, I was looking at this and I saw this woman just gushed over. She goes, I screamed out loud the first time I heard. And if he's pushing 30 and still hasn't had any babies, you wouldn't call a boy crazy. That's from boy <laughs> crazy. I mean, and, and how much you, you you took that emotion, that feeling, that frustration that a lot of young women have, and you were able to turn it into listen. It's a it's an upbeat song. It's not it's not a downbeat <laughs> song. It's a very fun upbeat song. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Well, it's you know I there's a lot of conversations to be had about gender, especially in the music business and all of that. And for me, I. I have really awesome relationships with so many men in the business and I work really well with guys. I have so many guys that I feel like we're like brother and sister and so thankful for that. So it's definitely, that song was definitely not meant to be a um, boy bashing song. It's more of just kind of like, you know what? Everybody's crazy. It's It's not just us too, you know, like everybody, guys, girls, old, young, in between, everybody's, everybody's got a little crazy to them. And I just, you know, meant to be more tongue in cheek because it's not a super heavy topic for me personally in my life. It's just more of me. That song was more kind of being narrated to what I've observed, you know, for a lot of other people. Well, I think, I think it's so much fun. I mean, self-care. So again, because these are, these are songs that I, and I, I read in your bio where you're talking about this is this album. You hope to have your children know who you are and a little bit of by that. And I thought, I thought self-care is so wonderfully written. I tried, I tried to hate me. I tried, but then it got old. I think I like me. I think I'm finally sold. Maybe I'm lazy. Deep down, I'm kind of scared to change what my mama gave me, but I can't make myself care. I mean, that right there, when I when I heard that song, I had to go pull up the lyrics because that's how I do it. I just sit back and go, okay, that right there, that is so damn cool. I love, I love well-crafted and the way that you tied in the whole pentameter of everything along with the music and have it be something that, you know, you see self-care and your first thought is, Oh boy, this could be, this could be dark and deep, but it ends up being, no, this is a wonderful, fun, this is me being cool song. Well, thank you. I had that title. I threw that title out to so many people before I even knew that I was making a record. And I just was like, I would like to redefine what self-care looks like because I am kind of exhausted (laughs) of the idea of like having to just care about someone's telling me I'm supposed to care about all these things and like who has time you know to constantly be improving like I definitely like have a growth mentality I'm I challenge myself in every way that's possible but there also comes a time where you know the best thing you can do is to just kind of excuse my French but give less shit you know like just kind of not care as much it's because really what that means is that you're just accepting yourself where you are as you are. And while there is time to dig deep, I'm the most therapized person. I go to therapy all the time. I'm like all about some like introspective work, but I also think there's 
there's a lot to be said about just going, this is where I am and I'm going to be as present as possible right here, right now and make the most of this, this moment that I have. Yeah. And, and that's it. And I, I know, like I said, I've, I, I, we have limited time cause I know you're busy, but I did want to touch on the stuff that you brought that up about how many things, I mean, tendencies, y'all tendencies. I mean, that is just watching somebody go, Hey, you don't know me, but this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I, it's, I ain't an alcoholic, but I got tendencies. I mean, <laughs> Wow. I, you know, I, I, and, and you, you didn't know your biological father. Yeah, not really. Um, we've met a few times, but I don't, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of question marks, you know, when you don't, when you don't have access to a whole side of your family tree and, and biologically in terms of just like genetically, you know, of like what those tendencies are. It's, 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 it's you know, you don't know, it's hard to define what's nature and what's nurture when you don't know the nature piece, you know, mm-hmm. um, or the nurture piece. But it's um, it's just my younger brother. I have a brother that's 17 years younger than me. He was a surprise baby when my parents, when I was a senior in high school, my parents had a surprise baby. And his name's Cooper. And he actually moved to Nashville um, a couple of years ago, right after high school. And he's, um, and he's, here trying to make it in the music business as well and he was actually the one that came up with that idea i told him i was making a record and he said i've got this idea for a song that i think um i want to share with you and and he was like you know tendencies and then we just started talking about some of the tendencies that we have in common you know and one of those was like we're not alcoholics but we have tendencies you know to be to have addictive personalities to things and so I got to give my brother Cooper credit for the idea on that. And I love the title. I've never seen that title before. And I took the, I took that concept and then wrote it with Shane and Josh Osborne. Well, it's just because when I was listening to it, when I first started listening to it, my first thought was, how in the hell is she going to end this? Right. Because, because, you know, you go in that, I ain't alcoholic. I got tendencies. I don't know where this is going to end up. I mean, again, some of the other things I'm just sharing the lyrics people, because I want you to go hear firstborn. I've never been a lever, but I got tendencies. Mama was a real good secret keeper. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense to me. Uh, you know, I could blame my family, but I guess it's too late now. Charlie's always watching me. I hope I'm not handing these down, down these tendencies. And, and I'm like, wow, where, where's she going with this? And then y'all, can I, ju- I just want to share it. I ain't a holy roller, but I got tendencies. And as I'm getting older, it kind of gets to me. I believe in heaven, but I can't help but question if he loves me, why he's given me all these tendencies. And I was like, I wanted to, I wanted to spike the football for you. I'm like, <laughs> hell yes. Boom, y'all. That's how, that's how the Cole Galleon does it right there. Boom. Oh, well, Nicole and Josh, and that's maybe how Nicole and Josh and Shane and Cooper do it. I, I'm so thankful for the way that song came together. I wrote that on my porch wings, um, in pandemic times with Josh and Shane, um, and on the same day that we wrote Winter. Um, we wrote those two songs in the same day. It only took a few hours. I think, I think, um, one of the good things about being such a veteran writer as you do so much of the architecture of the song in your head before you even start or before you even put a word down, you know? And, um, I gotta say musically, like I gotta give Shane and Josh major props on like 
the vibe and the energy on that song like that's a that's a feel that I would I would never have naturally gone to on my own and it's just like such a cool cool bop on the record I never would have thought that that title would have been a bop and I think that's one of the bops <laughs> yeah and it is and it's just so much fun as I said it's like when it started it's like how's it gonna finish and 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 the other songs will go and you know boy you've heard it Lee Bryce did it but here Nicole do it it's a completely different thing and I'll tell you right now and this is not anything for you to say your version of Consequences is so much better than Camila Cabello's that's just me because I believe yours that's just me that's my opinion and you know <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody, you don't have to get involved in that cat fight. That's my cat fight. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you for that compliment. That's all I will say. Uh, I know that's all you can say. And I will ask you this before I let you go. When you run, do you listen to music or do you listen to something else? Or do you listen music, to music? Always, always music. See, I have to listen. I listen to audiobooks uh, because I, I, yeah. I need something to distract me from how much I hate what I'm doing. <laughs> no, no. I'm all, uh, I'm all music all day. <laughs> Nicole Gallion, thank you. Thanks for excusing my, my technical problems. Thank you for waiting for me. And, and thank you for the time. I, like I said, this was a big get because I'm just such a fan and I have been a fan forever. Go look up some of the songs. We didn't even have time to go through that. Just look up some of the songs and then go listen to Firstborn. Nicole, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe, download a few more episodes, and please leave a review. Reviews really help us get this out to more people like you. Also, we'd love to hear what your favorite part was. Be sure to join us on social media to engage in even more unexpected conversations. Until next time.